no, no plunder on TV will ever get a job again. <laughs> Hello, welcome back to the 40-yard switch. As always, Jasper Woodcock alongside Wilbur Luke's Woodsock. <laughs> uh, how are you, mate? Uh, yeah, going well. Going well. Uh, yeah, I suppose it's been relatively quiet week, um, EPL-wise. I mean, there's been no games, so... Yeah. Yeah, no, it's been a, it's, the international break is uh, still in full swing. Uh, there's plenty of games to go over the next uh, few mornings, our time, obviously. Uh, so we'll get into a little bit of that in due course. Obviously, when, uh, uh, those of you who are listeners to the show for quite some time will know that we are not the biggest fans of the international break. But as the Euro qualifiers sort of come to a close, we will just briefly touch on like the sort of uh, narratives that are unfolding there. Um, before we jump into anything, some other international news that has broken this week uh, that will that is uh, to quite the dismay of Wilbur and I is that a controversial ex-Spanish head coach or Spanish women's head coach Jorge Vilda has been appointed the head coach of the Moroccan women's team uh, at the expense of Reynald Pedros. Uh, now I'm not 100% sure as to why Reynald Pedros is no longer the coach of theirs. As Wilbur pointed out to me off air. Uh, he seemed to have been doing a pretty good job. Mm. But yeah, uh, um, the infamous figure of Vilda is now at the helm of another women's football team. Yeah. I mean, um, like as, as as far as I could tell, Reynold Pedras had done like quite a good job with the Mor- Moroccan women's team. Obviously took him to the first, their first African Cup of Nations. Um, and through that qualified for the Moroccan women's team's first ever World Cup. So, yeah, um, I, I, I suppose despite being the person that he is, <laughs> he has just won the the World Cup with the Spanish women's team. So It's quite a unique situation, isn't it? Mm, so yeah. to be a free coach on the market and a World Cup winning coach in the same breath. Yeah, yeah. And... Yeah, I, I I don't know. What what do you what do you th- what do you think of it? I, I mean, apart from like if so, if you take away everything that happened, the move, <laughs> <laughs> and just the, look at the football, is it is 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 it like a step down or is it? I mean, yeah. If you do the very <laughs> uh, hard task of removing yourself personally uh, from the uh, all the personal notes of the situation, yes, yeah. Uh, Purely footbally speaking, it's a it, it's a it's a very good appointment. It's a World Cup winning coach who, uh, you know, by all intents and purposes, Spain are playing some very good football throughout the tournament. Mm. And you can say like, there's plenty been plenty of people that have been saying that was just down to the players, and you know they won in spite of uh, Vilda, not because of him. Yeah, that's not possible. I'm sorry. Like like as much as I. Like okay, true. I disagree with Vilda's, uh, with how he goes about his coaching and his treatment of players and and all of that. Um, there is no team in the history of 
world football has won a major tournament without some decent coaching in place. Yeah, like, true. It's like the the caliber of the players they're coming up against, even just from a defensive defensive setup position to like to defend against some of the caliber of the teams they played against, requires good coaching. Yeah, and I'm not saying that it was all down to Vilder. It was probably some of his staff as well, but like. As much as much as we give credit to the players, and they deserve more of it than he does, he yeah. he is not without credit. Yeah, no coach, no World Cup winning coach is ever without at mm. least a portion of the credit. So it's a good hire from a purely footballing standpoint. Now, everything else aside, if you look at it from his career, is it is it a step sideways, step down? I mean. That's when you have to sort of bring in the context of everything else, though, yeah, because yeah. If, again, if you're taking every, all of the uh, off the football football field or not, not yeah, just behind the scenes stuff away from it, yeah. then you could argue it's a step down. He's 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 won the World Cup and then he's gone to a nation who just played in their first World Cup. Yeah, yeah. But that's where context is key, right? Mm, yeah, yeah, and 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 shows the impact of like how he's acted slash what has happened off field. Because you'd think, in the absence of that, any team that is is gunning for the next major trophy would would, would be looking at him. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and I know we've just tried to remove ourselves from uh, the emotion of the situation, but let it, just, it let it just be known on record <laughs> that I'm not in favour of this move. I think he needs uh, he or any also probably deserves a bit of time away from uh, the plaudits of any success that he may bring as a football coach because he, for all intents and purposes, seems like a bit of a piece of work. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but, and, you anyone know... Anyone who sort of stands behind... Uh, what's his name again? Luis... Let's, let's all forget it. Rubiales. Rubiales. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can't be that good of a person. Yeah, but like, from a, from a, from a Moroccan football standpoint, Moroccan football is obviously on the up in the, both the men's and the women's and the uh, Atlas Lionesses. If they're on-field escapades start to improve and they and they get or improve even more than they have been under Reynald Pedros and they go from strength to strength and start going deeper in the AFCONs and uh, make the next World Cup and make a run there if he, if he will last that long. Then I'm sure very quickly, uh, at least in the Moroccan and African football circles, everything will be forgotten. And yeah. I, who knows, for all we know... It, it might be a bit of a non-story what's happened with Wilder and the Spanish team in Morocco. Yeah, yeah, true, true. It'll be interesting to see mm. how it how it plays out. Yes. But anyway, back to the men's side of the international game. Uh, over the international break, there has been some uh, European championship qualifiers as the Euros are next year in Germany, for anyone that doesn't know. And last international break, we didn't really touch on them because they were still like in round sort of game weeks three and four and five. And there was like some emerging teams, but not really. We couldn't stop talking about Gareth Southgate. Yeah. But <laughs> as of now, uh, er- almost every group, uh, the teams have played a minimum of six games. Um, and some groups have even played seven or eight. And it, uh, favorites are starting to emerge for qualification. Obviously, I th- I'm pretty sure it's the top two, and then the th- the best of the third best third ranked nations. I th- I'm pretty sure that make it up because there are J. What's the what number? What number letter in the alphabet is J? 
10. 10, there we go. So there's 10 <laughs> groups. Uh, and I know that at least the top two of each group go through. Um, yeah. The, yeah, I mean, they, they famously changed it that year that Portugal um, won it. They they increased the amount of teams. Yeah, it's th- is it to 30- outside the top two. It's, it's thirty two now, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, yeah, it'll have to be. Oh. no, sorry, I'm remembering it wrong. That's when they you could qualify for the that's through the, the knockout stage, stage yeah, 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 yeah. and finish third. Sorry, anyway, back, um, back on track. So yes, uh, there are a number of teams who are doing well, uh, and there are some teams that are perhaps not doing so well that maybe you would have uh, considered to be teams that would be there or thereabouts. So we're just going to go through, without looking at, we're not going to go through results and results and results because we'll be here all day. There's already, there's been umpteen games played over the past three days and there'll be umpteen games played over the next few days. So we're not going to do that. We're going to go through the groups as they stand and just sort of give some passing comments on some, you know, what's transpired and what's surprising. Yeah. So first up, we've got Group A. Uh, Spain, Scotland, until recently, Scotland had been in the driving seat um, in this group uh, behind the exploits of Scott McTominay. Mm. Uh, but in the past few games, Spain has beaten Scotland and then won again. Uh, and they are now top of the group on goal difference. Scotland are still equal on points with them, though, so it's looking like they will go through. And then Norway... Uh, in third on 10 points. And I heard a report saying that I'm pretty confident, I'm going to fact check it, but I'm pretty sure Norway have been ruled out of Euro 20. I saw that headline as well. So I'm going to fact check it real quick though. Uh, I think it must just me. be the top two from each of them. It must groups. be, but that, that, that would only leave 20 teams. Up, yeah. yeah, so... So, yeah, it says when Spain beat Norway 1-0, it sealed qualification for Spain, and apparently it resigned Norway to no qualification. So, yes, there'll be an- another another international tournament without Haaland and uh, Martin. Martin Odegaard in it. So that's sad for them. But, but Scotland, yeah. uh, all on the brink of qualifying. Yeah, that's huge. I saw, um, I saw Robertson come off with a... A, a potentially a, a serious injury. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's a, he, he's Cradling his arm is like a dis- dislocation. Or, yeah, I mean, yeah, I've heard he's uh, almost certain to miss the Merseyside derby. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, obviously I think the biggest sort of talking point of, of Scotland's qualification campaign is, is Scott McTominay. Um, on Spain, Alvaro Morata seems to be in actually like a decent... like vein of goal scoring form yeah he finally uh, bucked up his act after years and years of overrated allegations yeah yeah well that's the thing it sort of made him <laughs> underrated yeah and now Funny he's that. exceeding them yeah um, yeah but you, you got to think that going into the tournament next year with the midfield uh, if they're all fit of Rodri Gavi and Pedri is 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 going to be pretty pretty dangerous. Yeah, um, just to name a few, they've probably got even more than that. I think Lamina uh, Mal as well, that young Barcelona player, played his first game for Spain a couple of days ago as well. Yeah, which is pretty crazy. Sixteen years old. Yeah, and uh, apparently Nico Williams as well from uh, Athletic Club. Yeah, is also coming onto the. I think he's been on the international stage for a while, but he's kind of one of the up and coming players. And it just sort of makes you wonder: Will Spain? 
are they finally building a team that can because they've had a, a lean run over the past few years are they finally getting there who's the coach that's a good question anyway. it was Luis Enrique but it's not anymore yeah. um, so we was going to fact check that for you real quick but yeah I think I mean the other two teams in this group are Georgia and Cyprus no one really ever expected them to do anything Norway is again. It's just a case of they have they like, and it has been for the past two, three years. Norway are just a team. With, they have a couple of other okay players, but like there is just no one close to the level of Holland and um, Erdegaard. So they're gonna just be struggling for a while. I find. I feel. Yeah. Luis de la Fuente. Ah, oh, Luis de la Fuente. Yeah, I've heard of him. But but yeah. So Spain chug along and Scotland are looking like they're going to make the Euros, I think, again, because I'm pretty sure they made it in 2020 as well. I was, just quickly, I was thinking of, you know, when is sort of, I think it's probably like an unfair comparison, but, you know, I feel like Ronaldo kind of pulled Portugal along. It's probably a bit of a different situation because there's a lot more talent there. But, yeah, is it, I don't know, is it, sort of bad for Haaland's sort of legacy if oh, he sort no, of can't I think, start getting to international tournaments maybe but like the talent pool like, like Ronaldo at times did pull Portugal through but that was an underperforming Portugal team there's always been lots and lots of talent on those Portuguese teams yeah. whereas Norway is nowhere near the same level they've yeah. got I think one or two good centre backs and maybe another half decent midfielder but like their team is just not like if I go if I go to the, their most recent match where they lost 1-0 to Spain, and I look at their starting lineup. It's uh, Nieland in goal. Uh, he, that rings a bell, but again, I don't know exactly where he plays then. It's Ryerson, Strandberg, Oystergaard, and Melling at the back. Oystergaard, right? Do you know, do you know that? <sighs> rings a bell, but like again. Norgard. Then they've got uh, Peberg, and then Sander Berger, who plays for uh, Burnley. Oscar Bob, who That's plays right. for City, uh, Erdegaard, Haaland, and then someone called uh, Ausnas. So like that, and that's the starting lineup. So, and the issue always has been the defense. The, the defense for years has not been good, and not enough, not uh, not enough talent mm. in the back line, uh, and that still remains to be the case. Um, and like you know, I'm like sure, some people may call us a casual for not knowing any of the people in that back line, but they're not. No, as far as I know, that none of them play for notable enough clubs and are not that good. And like, if you look at all the Portuguese teams that Ronaldo's played for over the year, they've always had Pepe's and Jose Fonts and Ruben Diaz's and yeah, like he he kind of pulled them later in the stages, but they were, that team was always going to kind of be yeah, there, they were always a pretty yeah. good team, and they'll be good once he's gone as well. Hmm. Um. All right, so moving on to the next group. We've got France. And this is a group. France is top of the group, haven't lost a game. Unsurprising. I've only conceded one goal. And then the Netherlands are level on points with Greece, mm. which is interesting. And then the other two teams that don't look like they're going to qualify, Ireland and Gibraltar. But uh, Greece and the Netherlands. Mm. And the Netherlands are, are, are typically, you know, find ways to struggle but Greece is, is surprising I think yeah they've they've done it with a a better goal difference than the Netherlands as well which is interesting um, so yeah 
And they just lost to them, I think, the, the other night, maybe two nights ago as well, in, Nether- in, in Athens. Greece lost to Netherlands, or Netherlands lost to Greece? Greece, lo- Greece lost to Netherlands. Yeah, so very interesting, but they're still on equal points. So Netherlands were behind in Greece, but yeah. now they're level. Yeah. So that'll be an interesting one to keep your eye on, I think. Mm. Uh, and there's that's Netherlands have played six, Greece have played seven. So yeah, that'll be very interesting. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the boys, we've got England, uh, Italy, Ukraine, North Macedonia, and Malta. North Macedonia and Malta. North Macedonia on seven points may be a smoky, but at the moment it's looking like it's between England, Italy, and Ukraine. Potentially all three of them could go through. Italy playing against England tomorrow morning, our time. So a uh, very interesting game. Yeah. If England win that, almost for sure lock qualification. If they lose, or even if they draw and Ukraine win, it's looking a bit dicey for, qualific- for potentially for qualification. Yeah. Very interesting group. I mean, obviously Italy are underperforming their historical average at the moment mm. with a bit of a bit of an understrength. And Roberto Mancini just, just parted ways as yeah. their coach. To, to Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And yeah, they've got that interesting kind of um block, I suppose, against uh North Macedonia where they've just kind of had some terrible results against them. Yeah, it's a very weird history. team to be struggling against. Yeah. Um but yeah. Obviously that that's a huge game for England. Um also being the replay of the the last European Championships final. Yes, so, very much so. It'll, yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh and also, yeah, despite um all the hullabaloo around uh, Harry Maguire and Jordan Henderson. We expect both to start tomorrow, probably. Hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> moving on, we've got uh, Turkey, top of the group in Group D, but we're not going to be fooled by them topping the group in qualification as they will always end up disappointing you in the actual tournament itself. <laughs> that was just that was just last tournament, wasn't it? Nah, it's happened more than once. <laughs> Yeah. Well, but the, 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 were the expectations higher prior as well in other tournaments? No, or? it's just it's no, but just the expectation from like oh they top their group they could oh, be a, they yeah. could be a chance and then every time they do they uh, underperformed. Yeah. So until they prove us wrong, I'm always going to be a little bit doubtful of Turkey. But the story coming out of Group D that is potentially emerging is Wales are level on points with Croatia. Interestingly enough, mm. And for some reason, despite being ha- having a worse goal difference, uh, above them in the table, which leads me to believe they may have beaten them at some point. I'm not going to go that far back and scroll, but interesting development there. If Wales could pip Croatia to qualify there, that'd be very. Or if they even if they just both, the, you know, this is this is a this is a Wales post Gareth Bale. Mm. So that is a weird one, isn't it? The goal difference thing. Yeah. yeah. But yes, I would I would love it if 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 we could get the the British trifecta in the in the in the Euros again. And it's just good for Welsh football that without Gareth Bale they're still managing to turn out results. You know they've got still got some of the old guard there in you know Aaron Ramsey and and the like. But you've got players like David Brooks coming through. Um, you've got I wouldn't say established stars, but established players like Dan James and stuff. Yeah, and I think who scored the double? Yeah, so they just played Croatia and beat them. And uh, what's his name scored? Harry Wilson scored, oh, yeah. See, scored Wilson, a double. Wilson and David Brooks yeah. and David James, like um, no, not David James, Dan James. Yes. Not to be, con- be confused with legendary England <laughs> goalkeeper. But yes, uh, I'll be keeping a key eye on that one because I, again, there's a few, like we just mentioned, there's a few exciting young uh, Wales wingers looking to take on the mantle of left by Gareth Bale. 
Mm. As for Croatia, I mean, they seem. I, I don't. I'm not feeling. Not. I feel like even if it's if it's if it's third, but with you know, if it, they finish third but still have enough points to go through, I, I would expect them to still be thereabouts. They're always a team that seems to be able to grind out a result. And we, of course, want them there for Rezic. Yes, for Rezic. Um, all right, moving on to Group E. Speed along. This is one that surprised me, although it's a pretty weak group. Uh, Albania are topping a group that consists of Albania, Czech Republic, Poland, Moldova, and the Faroe Islands. In that order. And also, interestingly, Moldova uh, only two points off second uh, with nine points. So this is a very, very open group. Mm. Uh, four points separating fourth mold fourth place Moldova and Albania in first. So I can't say I've watched many of or any of the games that these teams have played, but it'll be. I, I don't think I've seen Albania in a European tournament for some time. Um, so all the Czech Republic, for that matter. I know the Czech Republic were quite good in the two thousands, but I haven't really seen them in a in a major tournament for a few for a few iterations of the Euros or the World Cup. Yeah. There's not as many sort of Czech stars in in the Premier League as yeah, there once when, was. Once there once there once where there was Petr Czechs and Thomas Rosickis there is now not so many. Who did Nedved play for? Is he Czech? Uh, he was Czech, wasn't gonna, he? Going to fact check that. But yeah, the, I mean, the last time I saw Poland play an international game was I think at the World Cup. He was Czech, Nedved. Um, Ballon d'Or winner. Uh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Where did he play? Huh? Where did he play? Juventus. Juventus. That's right. Stole Thierry Henry's, but yeah, it, very interesting group. Um, and yeah, looks looks quite even. And yeah, I think I'll, I'd like to see Albania in the Euro just for yeah, the exactly. atmosphere that I know their fans would bring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, the battle that's that's definitely the most Eastern European group of all the groups. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next, we've got uh, a bit of a sad Ooh, story I don't know. emerging. Group G is of... pretty anyway. We'll get yeah, to true, that. yeah. Uh, a bit of a sad story. We'll just briefly touch on coming out of Group F is that. Uh, a game between Belgium and Sweden was uh, cancelled this morning as a uh, shooter shot two Belgian fans dead and uh, is still on, still at large, apparently. Oh, my God. So the game was cancelled at half-time when the score was locked at 1-1 um, between Belgium and Sweden this morning. So, yeah, we uh, that's quite a sad story. Um, yeah. And this is in no way intended to be humorous, but another sad story is that Sweden are only on six points and don't think they're going to qualify mm. at this point uh belgium and austria uh locked on 16 points each uh austrian football has seemingly been quietly improving over the years recently mm. what do i remember recently from austria didn't we got didn't... alaba and uh arnautovic yeah i remember arnautovic acting like an absolute wally at the last euros yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um uh, but yes sad about sweden i didn't realize that they had the other weird thing is they've played five games. Um, how does that work? Yeah, some of the teams... Yeah, six for Belgium, seven for Austria, five for Sweden, and then six and six for Azerbaijan and Estonia. So very, very strange. But it, yeah, it looks like a bit of a foregone conclusion that the, the top two of those two will go through and Sweden and Azerbaijan and Estonia will miss... If they haven't already missed out, will miss out. Mm. All right, next, like as we'll be just alluded to, we've got Group G, which is another very Eastern European-looking <laughs> group. <laughs> And uh, Dominic Schobeslai's Hungary uh, leading the way with uh, 13 points. Serbia coming in second at the moment with 10 points. Montenegro on eight. And then Lithuania and Bulgaria probably not going to make it with five and two points respectively. Uh, I think the, the driving force behind the Hungarian 
uh, plight for the Euros has definitely got to be Shobazlai. Um mm. I haven't watched a whole lot of their football, but I have seen some of the, like his his goals for Hungary pop up on Reddit and stuff. And yeah, he's, he he seemed, what he, the stuff he's doing for Liverpool, he seems to be doing a similar thing for Hungary. Mm. Again, a team that hasn't we haven't seen in uh, international tournaments for a while, so uh, I, I potentially haven't even seen them ever in an international tournament. So again, we'd love to see it. Although this group is still fairly fresh, both all the teams on either five or six games played, so plenty still to play for. Mm. But Hungary in the driving seat has to be said. Yeah. Uh, moving right along, we've got a very another very open group, and weirdly a group of six teams in it, not five. But we've got Slovenia and Denmark locked on sixteen points each at the top, currently sitting in the qualification spots. Then Finland and Kazakhstan, which has been... Um, oh, I was yeah, listening that's been to, a story, hasn't it? I was listening to an episode of Football Weekly with uh, The Guardian's podcast with Max Rushton a couple of weeks ago, and they were talking about this. And they were like, yeah, Kazakhstan's making a weird sort of smoky run for the Euros. And uh, it seems to have faltered a little bit in recent weeks, but or in this uh, international break window, but there's still a chance. Mm. Yeah, so, what, so so four points abreast of uh, adrift. Sorry, abreast. <laughs> four Not points side adrift. by side. <laughs> four points adrift of uh, the group leaders, Slovenia and Denmark, who are tied on sixteen. Yeah, with Kazakhstan being tied with Finland. Um, yeah, I mean that'd be crazy, and and a great story. And I think yeah, we 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 had touched on it before because I remember mentioning Borat. Yeah, uh, but yeah, another wide open. Yeah, although I do, uh, yeah, Denmark. Denmark, I'm surprised are not further up in this group, uh, considering. Uh, I mean, Slovenia seemed to be the, uh, as much of a surprise pack, considering, as they um, weren't at the World Cup, and I think they were at the Euros, but weren't yeah. that impressive. Mm. But anyway, um, moving right along to the penultimate group, we've got. Considering the state of the world, a potential qualifier that would uh, not sit well with a few people, but I guess they're separate from their government. <laughs> Israel sitting in third in 11, uh, in with 11 points, and then Romania and Switzerland uh, or first and second, with Romania surprisingly on 16 points in first and Switzerland on 15, although Switzerland uh, with significantly more goals scored than any of the other teams. But um, yeah, I mean, I would have thought Switzerland would have topped this group going into it, but... Yeah, it looks like they are. They do have one point. Uh, sorry, they one, do have um, one game, one game less played than Romania, yeah. and one point. Of, but yeah, Israel one point abreast. <laughs> I, I I I didn't. Uh, I wasn't familiar with their game, but apparently, half decent at football. Yeah, <laughs> news to me. I I can't. I, I've definitely heard of a few Israeli players. I think. Oh, I can't think. I I can't think of them right now. But um, I just remember. Maccabee Tel Aviv being in Champions League yeah, not true. that long ago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Moving. All right. And finally, we'll round out our quick international break segment with Sui. Big Sui himself. <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo's Portugal. Eight games played, eight games won, 32 goals scored, two conceded, twenty maximum 24 points. Easily the best uh, performing team in the Euro, qualif- Euro qualifications, uh, followed by Slovakia on 16 points, and then friend of the show, Yannick Hansen's countryman, Luxembourg, on 11 points in third. Uh, he's apparently said that they're a smoky to qualify, which would be huge. Um, Iceland also in 10th, not out, not out of the running, and Bosnia-Herzegovina on 9 points, but 
having just lost 5-0 to Portugal or 4-0 to Portugal uh, this morning or the morning no this morning uh, looking a bit unlikely mm. yeah I'd love Luxembourg to get up um, Portugal have already qualified obviously um, but yeah Luxembourg with a bit of work to do only two games left in that group and they've got to make up five points so not sure yeah. but apparently they haven't been ruled out yet unless they lost maybe they lost this morning because when Jan was talking to Jan about this this was uh, yesterday and let me look I'm not sure which way the last five matches thing goes but oh they lost to Slovakia so that might have been the nail in the coffin right, anyway okay. yeah. that's a shame alright but there you go that's the Euros that's our thoughts and we move on <laughs> so we move on to the Women's Super League which we haven't covered over the first few rounds because there's been just so much of other stuff to talk about to, quite to be honest and we've been struggling to keep the episodes shorter than 45 minutes but uh, this international break provides us with the perfect opportunity to do just that so like I just mentioned there has been three rounds so far in the Women's Super League and there, so far after three rounds Man City Leicester and Chelsea are the only three teams left undefeated uh, all on seven points two wins and a draw uh, followed closely by Tottenham and Liverpool with two wins, uh, Man United with a win and two draws, and Arsenal, who enjoyed a bit of a tricky uh, start to the season, uh, losing their opening game of the season to Liverpool, and have since bounced back with a draw and a win. Uh, and then the rest of the league is Everton and West Ham and Brighton all on three points, and rounding out the bottom, Aston Villa, surprisingly, uh, second bottom on zero with Bristol City, who have had a sh- very struggling start to the season, getting beaten five nil by Man City over the weekend. Have they have they got any points yet, Bristol? No, they're on zero as well, yeah. dead last. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. So, I mean, from all intensive purposes of the games that we saw this weekend, Man City seemed to be starting the hottest. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Bristol City obviously seem like they're they're having a difficult season, but Man City were also very very good, scoring five goals mm. in the first half um, with um, goal conscious from our own Mary Fowler. Yes, two assists. She's uh, she, for a player who only played 116 minutes for City last season. She's started every game for for them this season, and uh, I think already has three assists to her name. Yeah, so we love to see that. Yeah. And Alana Kennedy, who barely played last season as well due to injuries, has started every game as well at the back. Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely good to see the Matildas. And they're obviously featuring across a lot of the teams um, playing at the weekend. But, yeah, I mean, City looks very uh, City looks very good, um, whereas Bristol City just looked a little bit abject in the first half, but kind of did, did well to kind of shut the gates in the second half. Yeah, although you feel like probably City might have taken the off the gas a tad mm, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and then also Sam Kerr was back in on the action missed the first game of the season due to uh, quote unquote fitness that's what a coach said but she came off the bench in the, the last week and then started this week and scored her first of the season hopefully first of many uh, Chelsea seemed to have also hit the ground running uh, albeit um, not quite as impressively as Man City uh, and then the other yeah it was Obviously, Sam Sam Kerr having a good game in front of goal, but uh, 
Matilda's goalkeeper. Fuck, what's her name? Mackenzie Arnold. Mackenzie Arnold. <laughs> she had like a really good game. Yeah, and um, also, it could have been a lot more if yeah. not for her. And also, uh, been was named captain of West Ham for anyone that wasn't aware at the start of this season, uh, the, the the day before the season started. I'm pretty sure. Mm. Uh, so that's a great achievement uh, and thoroughly deserved for her exploits internationally, at least. And I think she's in her th- this is her third full season for the Hammers. So mm-hmm. yeah. It's, she's just a leader. Just, yeah. just, just she's imposing just presence. Yeah. Uh, another, so another Australian that is uh, enjoying their start to the uh, WSL season is Courtney Nevin, who's back up fullback for the Matildas. She's started every game for Leicester as they are undefeated in the league, albeit slightly easier games um, for. Leicester, they've uh, drew one all with Manchester United this week, and then they've beaten Everton and uh, beaten Bristol in their opening two games. So we'll see how they feel fair when they come up against better teams. But I've been watching. Uh, like you don't get to see a whole lot of Courtney Nevin on highlights, but uh, her sofa score rating seems to be pretty good. So mm. it's good to see consistent minutes. And they come up against City next week. Yeah, so that'll be the real test of their medal. Yeah. Uh, Everton Yeah, Everton We've got one Merseyside derby under our belt Yes, so was that, that was a one-all draw against Liverpool No, 1-0 one win 1-0 one win against Liverpool, yes Scoring from a header So From a corner See if the men can do any better on the weekend But uh, they had, had a enjoyed haven't enjoyed the best start With a, a loss to Brighton on the opening day and then a loss to West uh, Mackenzie Arnold's West Ham on the in round two, but then bounced back against Liverpool side that beat Arsenal on the opening day. So, uh, and then yeah, Everton are a team that have another Australian Claire Wheeler, and she's been she's been uh, putting in some fairly consistent performances for them. Yeah. And yeah. where where was I? Sorry. Oh yeah, next Arsenal. Uh, like I mentioned, uh, enjoyed. Yeah, like I said, lost two, lost one nil on the opening day. In front of a packed fifty-five thousand strong Emirates crowd, not the best way to raise the curtain. But then, since then, fought back from two-one down to grab a last gasp winner against Man United last week, and then it had an even more last gasp winner against Aston Villa. No, not uh, last gasp equaliser against Man United last week, and then an even more last gasp winner against Aston Villa this week. Yeah. Um, so it seems like things have maybe started, finally starting to click. Beth Mead finally came off the bench, uh, returned from her ACL injury for her first appearance off the bench against Villa as well, which is lovely to see as a Lionesses fan. Mm. Uh, Leah Williamson is back out running on the pitch in recovery from her ACL injury. So, yeah, just just good things. Who was Jill Rod playing for again? City. No, she's playing for. She playing for. Jill Roy is playing for City now. Yeah. But she was playing for Wolfsburg last year and she used to play for Arsenal. Right. Okay. True. Yeah. That was a crazy game. Arsenal, uh, Aston Villa. Some not excellent keeping. And I think it was earlier in the game. From Daphne Van Domsel. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then, yeah. The equaliser and the winner in stoppage time is pretty wild. Yeah. And I don't know. For Arsenal, it just seems like. Obviously, Steph Catley and Caitlin Ford, very solid on that left-hand side, but it just seems like... when I Because I watched a lot of their opening day game against uh, Liverpool, and it just seemed to not really be clicking. Like, it was just a lot of sideways movement, a lot of, like, passes not finding... It seemed like there was a lack of chemistry. It was weird, because most of it's a pretty similar team to Last what it's season. played before. Yeah. But... 
I mean, obviously they're missing key players, missing Leah Williamson, missing Beth Mead, missing Vivian Miedemar, probably the biggest omission of them all. Mm. Uh, so yeah, maybe it's just a thing that will come good as the season goes on. But, you know, they've only got 22 games to get it right, not the 38, so. Do you guys have Black Stenius? We do have Black Stenius, yeah. yeah. That's wild. Yeah. So we've got quite a wealth of offensive talent. It's just more sort of defensively not, I and mean, we were also rumoured to be getting Mary Earps. But we didn't get her. So like Zinsberger is Switzerland's national keeper, and she's still a good keeper, but it's not Mary Earps. Mm. So, uh, but we've got Cara Cooney Cross. She hasn't really featured that much yet, so we'll see if she can come in and do a job. It's hard to displace people like Frieda Monum, um, like that. McCabe. McCabe plays on the left, weirdly. Okay. True. Um, so in front, in front of Catley. Yeah. Um, so at the left, it's, we're playing sort of weird sort of three-four-three system where like Catley plays as left centre back, McCabe plays as a wing back, and then Ford plays as a left winger. Right, which is it's weird because I thought McCabe is probably better suited further forward, but mm. where, like where she plays for Ireland. But anyway, uh, and she can play anywhere, mate. She, mate, she can play anywhere. Uh, last thing I want to touch on just quickly is Brighton haven't enjoyed the best start to the season, but they have uh, two new Aussies playing in their team uh, who are haven't played for the Matildas yet, but have tra- have played with the like the young Matildas, like under twenties and seventeens, Charlie Rule and. Mackenzie Hawksby and Charlie Rule in particular seems to be breaking into the first team. She came off the bench first two games, then scored midweek in the Intercontinental Cup, and then started their loss against Tottenham at the Amex on the weekend. So, one to watch there. She's only twenty. Yeah. Um, could be a future Matilda. Mm. Could be a future Matilda. Oh wait, what was her name again? Charlie Rule. Charlie Rule. Yeah. Okay. Charlie Rules. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's a little quick recap of the WSL for uh, our fans that are. Interested, and we'll try and keep it. We, we, we probably won't be able to keep a, a weekly um, uh, sort of update on that. But we'll try every few weeks to sort of recap it. It will, will also be be difficult to uh, interweave it into the podcast in the coming weeks as Wilbur is going away, and I can't really ask guest hosts to, on top of their busy schedules, to watch even more games. But I will keep the viewers. On track, and then when Wilbur comes back, we'll and I'll be watching. And yeah, we'll be watching from uh, from the Singaporean and Japanese uh, TVs. Yes. <laughs> but okay, that's a quick WSL recap, and we're going to quickly jump in to four blockbuster games that are headlining the return of Premier League action this weekend. S- starting off with uh, possibly the oldest and biggest rivalry in British football. Uh, Liverpool versus Everton. The Merseyside derby is its first of its two iterations is this weekend at Anfield. Um, which is, annoyingly for Liverpool, yet again another 12.30 kickoff after an international break. I saw a stat today from The Athletic that says Liverpool have 13 uh, kick have had 13 kickoffs, um, like early kickoffs after international breaks Uh in, in Klopp's time there or something like that and uh, the next best is, five, is, uh, is I think City have five yeah so it's weird amount weirdly high amount of games but like we said earlier no Robertson Everton coming off a win mm. how are you feeling um, not great I mean Liverpool are fourth and Everton are 16th um, <laughs> and we're playing at Anfield which we haven't had much luck I think yeah we beat them at Anfield for the first time in a long time when James Rodriguez was still with us, COVID times, uh, which made Anfield a bit of an easier place to go. Mm. Um, but yeah, look, I think it'll be di- difficult, 
But I think we've been playing all right recently and we've been sort of creating enough. Um, But yeah, I just think... I just think of things like, you know, just the the, the sort of matchups between our defence and their attack is just a little bit scary. Yeah. Maybe like Mo Salah versus Mikalenko. Um, (laughs) uh, So, yeah. I, I think it could be very difficult, but maybe... Cautiously optimistic. I'll, I'll 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 let you predict it first. I have a, as as well as I think Everton have sort of bounced back in recent weeks. I do have a worry that it's going to be a similar sort of instance to how they played against Arsenal, where it was, seemed to be like a setup to not lose deal rather than a setup to take the game on. Mm. Um, which is like kind of fair enough given the given where Everton is at at the moment. But at the same time, you know. Like uh, when we talked about the Arsenal-Everton game a few weeks ago compared to the Arsenal-Everton game last season, which was Sean Dyche's first game, and they just took it to us and they beat us. Mm. The, the, like that Everton squad is roughly the same. And I guess it still probably has that in it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, look, I I, I don't. I, 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 I'd be lying if I said I saw an Everton win in this one. Um, yeah. But I do think, given how leaky Liverpool have been, that Everton have it, has it in the two score, and then that could make things interesting. So, and a Merseyside derby is always pretty close, regardless of uh, how the teams are going. So, I'm going to go a 2-1 victory to Liverpool. Yeah. Yeah, I also agree. I mean, Everton have had an uptick in form recently, but Liverpool are also playing quite well at the moment uh, with that new look midfield. Um, 3-1. I, I think they'll sort of go ahead and then maybe it'll quiet down for a little bit and they'll get like a, a couple more late goals. So, yeah. 3-1 to Liverpool. 3-1 to Liverpool, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. And then uh, from one City derby to another City derby, we have uh, a London derby, which sees Chelsea host Arsenal. Very interesting game. This, this is very, very interesting. Very interesting, because Chelsea seem to be on the upturn of form uh, after a bit of a non-starter of a start of a season. A bit of a mouthful. Um, but they, of a start. <laughs> but they have looked decent in their struggles so far this season, and uh, if things are really starting to click, then Arsenal could be in for a troubling afternoon at Stamford Bridge. Uh, and especially considering Arsenal haven't really clicked fully, although uh, so far this season, and didn't despite beating Man City in the most recent game before the international break, still didn't look that amazing in that game either. Mm. So yeah, I'm very interested to see what you what you think of this game and how it will go. I think Arsenal will win. Mm. Um, I don't know. I just get the feeling that they have they have started the season, even though the performances haven't quite been there um, compared with how they started last season. They've done a very good job coming into um, a Premier League season, like a young side coming into a Premier League season where they have expectations got the results where sometimes they didn't really deserve it. Like, not that, but, you know, some, they didn't play their best and they still got the results. Um, so I just think there's a bit more belief and kind of chemistry about that Arsenal team that will sort of help them in the, you know, on, on quite a big stage. I think Chelsea is still finding their feet a little bit and Arsenal are not that at the mm. moment. I also think that Chelsea have struggled with their finishing this season and Arsenal are the other team that have faced the other Arsenal defence has faced the fewest shots on target this season so far. Mm. Our defence has been really good. While our offence has struggled a little bit, our defence has been really good. 
Yeah. Um, so that'll that that tilts it in our favor. Um, I also think that we tend to play better against teams that try and come out and play, like yeah. with a higher line and push up further up the field, and that's exactly what Pochettino's Chelsea like to do. Um, so we we could exploit that. I also and I also hopefully think that um, there's optimism that Saka, Martinelli, and Jesus will all be fit to start together up front, which we saw against PSV. Yeah, oh, that was Trossard. But like when Saka and Jesus and Martinelli all start up to get up front together, it, it's it's problems. Yeah, to go behind them. So. Mm. Yeah, far more analytical points than me, but yeah, <laughs> I re- yeah, I, I reckon I reckon you're spot on. Like that that has been something that Arsenal like have struggled to play against this 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 year. The kind of lower block where they they're kind of clearly the better team and have to break teams down. That's um, the thing though. Like while 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 I may prefer the analytics, that's only one half of the game. Mate. You've, <laughs> you've got the you've got the whole psyche down. No, 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 it's true. That, but um, and yeah, like. Before the international break, what are their names again? Saliba and uh, Gabriel Magalhaes. They shut down Haaland. Zero XG for Mister. So Ellie. now you've got to shut down Nicholas Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you probably can do. And it. I back Ben White against Sterling as well, and uh, or, or Mudrick. And 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 I think this is like if they do win this game, which I think they will, and I'll say two one. I think it probably might be close. Um, yeah, it's it's it, it's a big, it'll be a huge win for their season going going forward. Yeah, I think I think definitely a win like this, like to win back back to back games against cal- the caliber of opponents in Chelsea and Man City, would be a real like okay, we're not fucking around here, mm. um, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah, uh, but yeah, so I, I I I'm gonna cautiously back us as well. Um, I'm gonna go. But because Chelsea have also defended pretty well this season, I'm gonna I'm gonna go very cautious one nil. Yeah, I uh, can see it being cagey. Yeah. All right. So next we've got Man City, Manchester City hosting Brighton at the Etihad. This is the return of Rodri to the side. Uh, Brighton had some inconsistent form in uh, recent weeks, uh, losing two six one to Aston Villa and then drawing two all against Liverpool in a game that really could have gone anyway with both teams missing golden opportunities to win the game. I do feel like this is going to be Man City. Man City, with Rodri returning to the team, though, are going to be... Mm. Like, they've lost three on the bounce domestically outside of the Champions League. Um, they're going to be looking for a response. And yeah. Brighton is going to be the... T- but then again, I don't know. The Premier League is already churned out a few surprising results this season. The other thing that I've thinking about like recently is like Brighton have potentially had a bit of a difficult run of results uh, where they've been in games where they've kind of had teams playing lower blocks against them. Yeah, Villa and, did that well. Yeah, and I think Athens prob- probably did that decently as well. I don't know. I, I, I can just see them coming out, but I also agree that you know th- those Man City players you know, in the past however many seasons haven't needed that much motivation to get fired up and they do seem fired up to to be losing two league two league games on the bounce. And also Haaland's gone, I think, three games without a goal for the yeah. first time in a long time. So And Brighton, you know, even when they're playing well and against teams uh, that are kind of not playing that low block against them, they they have been leaky. 
and conceded lots of goals this season. I'm going to go 3-1 City. Mm. I'll say 3-2. Three, 3-2, two. Three, two, yeah, three, nice. Two. Okay. Two. And finally, ra- rounding out uh, our predictions for the weekend ahead, we have the Battle of the Claret and Blue Teams, which sees, not Burnley, which sees Aston Villa host mm. West Ham at Villa Park. This is possibly the toughest to call of all the games uh, that we've previewed, of the four games that we've that we're previewing for this weekend, because both teams are in good form, both teams are roughly in a similar position in the ladder, and both teams sort of had success against. You know, I'm using Brighton as a yardstick here, but have had success against Brighton, um, playing like a, a lower block and having less possession, but then struggled against Liverpool. Both teams conceded three goals to Liverpool. Mm. So it's very a lot of similarities. I know Aston Villa ha, do have the do have a, a you know two, two player styles. They can sit low and but then they also can play higher up on the pitch and more possession based under Unai Emery. And West Ham seems to only have the one style. But I, yeah, it's a very interesting tactical matchup. This one. Mm. Yeah, it's very close. I mean, they've also kind of had a bit of like patchy form. I mean, West Ham have definitely been on the up recently but West uh, Aston Villa have kind of been up and down a little bit yeah especially in Europe season. as well yeah I'm, I think because it's close um, and Villa are playing at home I'll probably go with Aston Villa yeah I'm, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go draw here I reckon this one screams draw that's a sensible that's a sensible it screams like I know Liverpool just did drew. I mean, West Ham did just just had another draw against Newcastle, but I feel like this is another again a similar sort of matchup where they just sort of grind it out a little bit, and they probably won't score as attractive goals as Villa, but they'll they'll get some goals. Mm. I'm gonna go two all. Two all. I'll go two one. Two one, two, one to Villa. To Villa. All right. Well, can't wait. Four games of that magnitude and plenty of other interesting fixtures as well. Can't bloody wait. Um, but yes, I guess this is uh, you signing off for a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So what was what it? Four weeks total you, you, you're off? Including this one and then you're away for three weeks? I think it'll be four, oh, five. Four or five. All right. Well, yeah. It'll be a, a, month, <laughs> a month's abs- absence will be, but... Uh, keep an eye on the horizon for surprise guest hosts that will be coming in through the... I can't wait to hear them, personally. The, the, the audio doors, I guess. Not the, not actually going to be coming through the physical doors because I'll be probably be travelling to their houses to record with them. Uh, and some of them will be on Zoom. True. But yes. Uh, You'll be walking through doors. I'll be walking through doors. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so yes, that's Wilbur signing off for... A month at least. Bye, guys. Um, and yeah, as always, if you've liked what you've heard and you made it this far, follow us on all our socials, uh, 40yardswitch.pod on Insta, 40yardswitchpod on Twitter, and give us a five-star rating if you're listening on Spotify. Um, and, you know, I don't know how Google Podcasts work, but we're on Google Podcasts, so if you can give us a good rating on that, give us a good rating on that too. <laughs> but that's all for now. Enjoy the weekend's action, and I'll see you with a guest post next week. Bye.